This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, it's three months since Russia invaded Ukraine. Putin believed that he would have a quick success, that uh, they would take Kyiv, the capital of Ukraine, and uh, that some people were speculating might happen uh, as quickly as seven or eight days. That hasn't happened. It's three months. The Ukrainians are fighting a very brave resistance, but... Their country is destroyed. Innocent people have been murdered in war crimes, women raped, and cities that will never exist again. Mariupol being the worst, perhaps, example of destruction and mindless destruction that has visited the Ukrainian people. We're joined now from Kiev by Johnny O'Reilly. Johnny is a filmmaker and a journalist, an Irishman living in Kiev. Johnny, it's three months since I think we first spoke to you and the feeling was internationally that this would be a swift victory for Putin. It's been anything but. Does it feel longer or shorter in your mind? Um, it's hard to answer that question because I've been here for the whole period and I haven't even left the country to kind of put any perspective yeah. on my experience of it, you know, um, I'm, I'm kind of looking, I'm looking forward to that because, um, you know, when you're just in the middle of everything, you, you, you just attend to adapt to it and normalize everything. And it's only when I'll come out of it that I'll realize how abnormal it, it has been. But, um, it, you know, certainly there's a kind of, um, um, <clears throat> the first few days went by very, very, very uh, quickly because there was so much going on. There was so much kinetic activity. There were so many, um, you know, bombs going off all over the country and so much um, confusion as to the, the scale of what was happening and the danger. Now things have settled into what uh, is a bit more predictable. So when change happens, it changes yes. almost incrementally over a few days. Uh, and, I, and I'm talking about the battlefield changes. You know, in the early days when they were trying to take over Kiev, it was just wild. Like the imagery that you see that came out of that period was wild and crazy. I mean, and when you look back and you think back on what happened, Putin made a decision apparently the day before. His final decision yes. was made the day before invasion. 
and none of his generals, none of the, 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 the lower level uh, commanders knew about it. So there was yes. no planning from their point of view. So, you know, even from the Russian side, it was just chaotic. Um, and obviously being on the receiving side of an invasion like that is totally chaotic as well. But now things have, have, uh, are much more strategic in terms of the battlefield movements. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit more predictable compared to the first uh, days and weeks of the war. Yes, and the reports we're getting in Europe suggest that Ukraine is more than holding its own on the battlefield. And in certain places, well, first of all, they defended Kiev and that wasn't taken. The Russians have withdrawn from that now and they've gone to eastern Ukraine, to the Donbass and the south also. The resistance and the courage of the Ukrainian people has struck a chord around the world in, in, in the United States as well, of course, as it has in Europe. How important in that has President Zelensky been because he has emerged and is known now around the world for his leadership, uh, his profile, and uh, he's made sure to keep the pressure on the West. He seems, uh, has he grown significantly in the eyes of the Ukrainian people? Yeah, he's totally grown, and and that uh, is reflected in his ratings, which went from twenty six yes. to eighty three. But um, re regardless of the ratings, any uh, observer, even a neutral observer, w will be very impressed by how he has performed and how he has rallied the international uh, community to to Ukraine's cause. I mean, he could not have achieved more in terms of creating an international solidarity yes. for Ukraine. Um, now, the, the, the question is how long that will last, but certainly I think he, he achieved the maximum that could have been achieved in the first couple of months. And, and, and the reason for that, I believe, is, well, there's lots of reasons, but probably the primary reason was that he's the right leader at the right time you know the, the, an actor is you know ronald reagan obviously was yeah. was one of the famous leaders who who was an actor but um he uh, when your sole job is to make speeches you know not necessarily manage a huge government your yes. sole job is just to inspire people actors are the best at that they're the best trained at yes. deploying words and emotions and finding the right tone in the right moment so his training everything that he's done in his previous life has prepared him very well for this wartime uh, leadership role and he's been clever enough and not egotist you know he has not been um, managing the day-to-day decision-making about uh, the, the war. Presumably, he recognizes his own limits in that regard, yes. but he's left it to the um, experts, unlike what we have heard about Putin, who, you know, 20 years into his own reign, obviously believes that he knows that more than his own generals do, yes. and uh, is, is uh, apparently uh, micromanaging a lot of the battlefield dynamics. But um, you know, certainly, he, you know, Zelensky has uh, played a blinder. The response of the Ukrainian people to the savagery, the appalling destruction, the mindless attempt it appears now 
even when they can't claim a victory, they can still shell a city like Mariupol, Kharkiv, uh, or try to just destroy it. So it will never be the same again. Has that come as a great surprise to the Ukrainian people? Has it shocked them in the way that it shocked those of us who've seen the images on television? I don't think so, actually. Not to the same extent. Um, Ukrainians historically are uh, used to atrocities that have been committed by Russia and by you know, the Soviet Union. Yes. Um, so they they have a much um, more accurate. They had a much more accurate expectation of the the cruelty that would be meted out on them. And I think it's more the the international community that's been surprised by it. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think to answer your question, I think they you know they they they, un- they, un- they knew what was coming. And um, they've um, met it, met the onslaught with, um, you know, great, you know, with with great determination, and they've uh, done a really good job, I believe, so far. How are people living? How is economic life continuing? Are there shortages, for example, of food? I know you're in Kiev, which has been apart from some shelling appears to have been left more or less alone. But nevertheless, are there issues with food and with people being able to continue to work, for example? How is that working, Johnny? There aren't any issues with food. Um, Plenty of food in in all the supermarkets. That's not a problem. Um, The main problem is with petrol. So... uh, Oil refineries, um, oil bases, the distribution networks and logistics for oil and petrol have been targeted by the Russians. And I I guess there's probably a a limited uh, amount of targets. So they've been able to quite successfully uh, destroy much of the petrol and oil distribution network within the country. So if, if you, if you want petrol, for example, you need to check your app to see which station near you has it, drive there. And, you know, if you're lucky, you'll only queue for an hour or two, but sometimes right. you might have to queue four or five hours. So what, what that's created a secondary market for petrol. So if, if I want petrol, I go to someone who I know and he charges like a 30 or 50 percent, um, premium. premium on that. Yeah. And, uh, I don't have to queue. So, you know, that's what naturally has happened with the petrol market. Um, but the, the, the rest of the economy has totally transformed. Many uh, jobs, many businesses are just not operating at all, but a whole new swathe of economic activity has been created in the volunteer uh, system. So people, many of my friends, most of them actually, more than half, are uh, have basically repurposed their working lives to help the war effort. Yeah. You know, they might be just sourcing um, medicine or managing distribution or any of my friends who work in restaurants, for example, are, you know, making humanitarian meals for delivery to people in need, uh, older people or soldiers. 
Um, and there's obviously a lot of money coming in from donors from America, from the EU that is supporting that effort. So, um, you, you, you mean, you, you, there's not, a lot of extra beggars on the street or anything. So you, you know, things in terms of the emergency of food and everything seems to be okay. Um, but obviously th- th- there's been huge long-term damage done to the economy. And the big question after the war will be to what extent the international community will continue supporting Ukraine. Well, the, the mood in the international community at the moment, uh, I can only speak for Europe, of course, uh, would be very much to support Ukraine uh, as much as anything because of the respect people have for the stoicism, courage of the Ukrainian people. An awful lot of Ukrainian people have had to leave the country. We have 25,000 in Ireland, Johnny, which I'm sure you know, and many have left uh, for uh, other parts through Poland. The The future in that sense we had a a Russian journalist uh, who's left and gone to Lithuania, to Vilnius, and he told us that he wanted desperately to go back to his country, but he wouldn't go as long as Putin was there. Do you think the Ukrainians who have left, this is men or women, rather women, and children, because men between the ages of 60 and 15, I think it is, but I'm sure you'll correct me, are not allowed to leave. Will they want to go home as soon as they can? Yeah, men between the age of 16 and 60 cannot leave the country, and uh, they're very strict on that. I mean, there's very few people who've managed to get through. I know some people who, like I know this young 16-year-old son of a friend of mine who won a music scholarship uh, to somewhere in Vienna uh, to start a school there. And uh, they got their local um, l- legal status sorted so he could leave the country. Yeah. But uh, he couldn't He couldn't convince the border guards to let him go through. So he's stuck back here. So women and children, yes, have all left the country. And I, I think there could be economic damage as a result of that in the long term because you have, what, 7 million people now have left the country, most of them gone to the EU. And, of course, many of them want to come back. Many of them are not in, you know, happy situations. They don't know how long the war is going to last. They, they can't make any long-term plans. But if you're a young woman in your 20s, there's a chance that you, you know, can maybe you can get a job in Paris, in in Amsterdam, in Germany. Uh, that that demographic might not come back as quickly or as easily, and um, that could cause problems in terms of, you know, certain sectors, the retail sector, for example. You know, you know, if you're a 25 year old girl who could get a job uh, working in a clothes shop in a, in a shopping center for, you know, $500 a month in yes. Ukraine, or you can be a waitress in, in, in Amsterdam for 2,000 euros yes. a month. So um, that's going to be a long-term problem. But um, I think certainly people want to come back, people who have left their home and, and were forced to leave their home, that the majority of them want to come back for sure. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. 
This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. What do you hear in Ukraine Johnny, about Putin. There are rumors, uh, almost daily rumors, of Putin maybe uh, survived a, an assassination attempt. It is said in the British papers today, a Russian diplomat in Geneva who was part of the Russian delegation to a disarmament group, he publicly spoke today and said he uh, was disgusted at what Putin was doing, and he couldn't stay silent any longer. What do the Ukrainians hear about what's happening in Russia and the, the mood around Putin? Well, I mean, we have the same information that uh, you guys have in the West. I think, like, my perspective is that the story of diplomats who are leaving the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Russia the, the, the story is that not enough of them have done that. If you think right. that there's just one young, young, sorry, middle level, uh, diplomat is the only guy to have actually jumped ship. Yes. That says a lot about the fear in which they are all living and the calculation that they're all making that to staying put is their best option. So I don't think the floodgates have opened yet with regards to, you know, the big tectonic change in Russia. And, um, but, you know, look, that will come if Putin is, if his illness is verified, if it turns out that there, there has been some assassination attempt. But my guess is that, um, none of that has really happened. A lot of it is media speculation and a bit of wishful thinking, perhaps, on, 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 on the part of the international media. Like, I remember reading the reports that Putin was shaking uncontrollably in a meeting. 
Yes. And I was very curious to watch that meeting. So I watched the meeting and he, he wasn't shaking. You know, he, he shook his leg a couple of seconds and that was yeah. it. So I, you know, like I, I, I think, um, look, anyone who is 69 is going to have some health issues. You know, yeah. they're going to have to visit the, the, the hospital, the doctor, and you can be sure that Putin has the best, uh, yeah. doctors available to him. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, I don't see that coming anytime soon. Um, I think what's more likely in the, in the autumn is, um, some demographic in Russia, perhaps pensioners, perhaps, um, people who work in the coal mines or whatever, you know, the, 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 they just miss a payment for a month or two and they start yes. uh, hitting the streets. And then, you know, the, um, middle class liberals in, in St. Pete and Moscow join them. You know, that's, that's what, what we can hope for in terms of any kind of move against Putin. There, there won't be a move against Putin, I, I don't believe, until there is a, a large, um, um, protest against him. So that's what, what the trigger will be, I believe. Right. In terms of war aims, what, can Zelensky settle for and what can he not settle for in terms of where Ukraine needs to be at the end of this? I don't know. It's very difficult. Like, is, at, is at that the moment, something that's discussed, Johnny, among Ukrainians? You know, it's not. It's not because no one gives an inch. No one, no one is even contemplating, let alone articulating openly, the possibility of giving any more land away. Yes, and and that's partly because. Um, of the atrocities that have beset uh, the Ukrainian people, you know, the, the humiliation at uh, having this invasion and all the atrocities uh, inflicted on people and then subsequently agreeing to give up some land. So I don't see anyone doing that. I don't see him doing that. But right. he, here's a scenario that I, I think could happen and unfortunately, I'm a slightly more pessimistic now than I might have been, say, a month ago, because in the last few days, Russia have made some significant uh, battlefield uh, ad advances in and around the town of Severno, uh, Severodonetsk. Yes. Um, and it looks like they might take that city. If they do, that means they will have control over Luhansk, which is the smaller of the two uh, regions within the Donbass. Yes. So the, the new stated aim of the Russians are to uh, take over both of those regions, uh, plus a third one, which is Kherson region. And so they're, they're edging closer to that aim. Now, one scenario could be that they achieve that, and uh, then Putin... Uh, declares victory, you know, and, 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 and offers talks. Yes. And of course, the talks that he will offer, uh, will be, uh, or at least, you know, the, 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 the solution that he'll be thinking of will be the solution that splits the international, uh, uh, support. So perhaps he'll, offer something that he thinks France and Germany could support yes. and therefore put a bit of pressure on 
uh, Zelensky. Now, this it, it's not within uh, his goal of trying to win whatever that solution he offers is, but just to yes. split the international support. So Germany and France, particularly Germany, are laggards in many of the efforts to uh, support uh, Ukraine diplomatically and militarily. So yes. uh, Putin will be gunning for that. Yes, and it's note, uh, it's worth noting that Zelensky has named France and Germany and others have too as not giving the same kind of wholehearted support as uh, the British, for example. Now, we know Boris Johnson has his domestic troubles and there's good reason for that. But on this question of Ukraine and its defence, uh, the British were the first, I think, to give defensive weapons Johnson has been to Kiev, and the British continue to be ardent and wholehearted supporters in terms of military hardware, as indeed the Americans appear to be. But that distinction has to be made between Britain and the US and uh, France and Germany in particular. Yeah, that's right. And, um, you know, both France and Germany are, are new governments. So perhaps it's not clear yet in the long term what their policy will be. Um, but certainly, you know, P- Putin w- will be aiming to, um, create a rift between the French Germans and, uh, British Americans on, on, on the issue for sure. Yeah. I, in terms of the relationship between Ukraine and Russia, many people, we can't quite get our heads around it here, but there is, a, a, in Putin's mind, for example, he doesn't think Ukraine exists as an independent nation. He can't see the difference between, he said, I think, that the Ukraine was in his soul and that this was almost a mystical idea that there's no such thing as Ukraine, it's part of Russia. That's his thinking. That seems emphatically not to be the thinking of the Ukrainians. Yes, exactly. And um, I don't think you can really claim that uh, his opinion has been something that has been widely uh, embraced in Russia for a long time. It just seems to be the most recent uh, propaganda talking point that uh, he he has deployed through the media networks. Um, And, you know, the the reason for going to war. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, if you you analyze all the reasons why he went to war, I mean, there's obviously a, a whole panoply of them. I think the apex, the main reason, is uh, is an ideological one about style of government. You know, yeah. he's an authoritarian leader who uh, it, 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 it feels very threatened by a, an economically successful sister culture yes. as a as a thriving democracy and needs to prevent that at all costs. Yes. Um, I think that's probably the apex reason, and obviously there are other reasons. Beneath that, but um, so what he says is is often used for creating the right kind of narratives within the media and within his own um, 
virtual reality that he's created that the country has subscribed to, or at least many in the country have subscribed to because of complete control over the media networks. And, you know, I believe that he's caught in the loop of this himself. So a lot of what he says doesn't make sense. It's not historically accurate. But people believe it. They lap it up, you know, in, in order to remain loyal to um, to the leader at a time when they are under threat as well. Yes, I mean, his one of his rationales was that he felt NATO was divided and weak and Europe was divided and weak and indeed... In the U.S., there was there were divisions as well. Now, NATO has proved uh, to be resilient. Sweden and Finland are going to join NATO, which is now going to be stronger, more united, and more vigilant. And, of course, his army has proved not very good at uh, invading. And the casualties they've taken, for example, Johnny, I mean, nothing that was in, it might have been in his... Uh, list of boxes to tick has happened really has it no it hasn't and and a lot of it is because of his own um a lot of it is because he's wrong you know his vision yes. of the world is, is is not clear it's inaccurate so um you know you mentioned about nato his expectations yes. that nato w- was not strong it was um um, not unified, and and that's true to some extent. Yes, it was, but it was true. But but what he doesn't realize is that people in other countries, especially in Western democracies, they um, built into their calculus about policies and about political decisions are real values. Yes. So when Obama, whenever these le- leaders, when they make speeches about the the, the values that they. Uh, um, uh, cherish. He just thinks they're just like him. In fact, they're, these are just talking points that yes. mean nothing and that no one really lives in them. Everyone just lives through self-interest because, yes. he, you know, his background really is a, it's a kind of a gangster mentality. Yes. And he believes that everyone else has the same mentality. So he can't conceive of a leadership in which it is values based. Yes. So th- therefore he totally miss uh, understood and uh, underestimated the extent to which NATO and the world powers will mobilize themselves uh, uh, in order to protect the value of freedom. Um, so that's his biggest mistake and yes. his, bi- his biggest uh, misapprehension. Yes, that's very interesting. Just a final question, Johnny, about the disposition of Ukrainian people and indeed yourself. Are they afraid? Is there fear about the outcome, about a Russian victory and the imposition of a Soviet-style regime? Or is there, and I imagine to some extent there must be, a terrible sense of loss for the 7 million people who've left the country, for the families that have had to split between the women and children on the one hand uh, going and the men staying behind. Is that sadness there and is there fear? Well, I I think there's fear and sadness amongst everybody, especially those who have suffered directly uh, from the invasion. 
Um, but I, I also think that a lot of those emotions have been kind of suspended until the war's over. Right. Like when the war's over, it, there is going to be a Pandora's box of emotions. You know, it's not going to be an easy time for the country because, it, you know, it's been devastated both. Yes structurally and also emotionally. Um, but now they have a very clear goal. They have something to rally all their emotions towards. Yes. And people, when, when they're in that zone, you, you know, you tend to suspend all the other feelings when you're just trying to focus on winning this war. Yes. Now, obviously, that's not for people who have just, you know, suffered or have had their, their homes uh, blown up. But um, you certainly sense that um, things are simpler. In, in a sense, you know, people are just, you know, um, very much gathering around the flag, very patriotic, you know, repeating mantras about, you know, you know, not giving up an inch about committing your life to the cause. Yes. Um, and, uh, that's something that it's, it, it's almost like they've, um, absorbed all of the, stories and the emotions from previous wars against Russia and against yes. other um, invaders through history and kind of channeled this kind of historical Ukrainian um, defiance into their everyday emotional workout. Yes. And uh, that's, you know, ha that, you know, that history has a way of um, uh, motivating people here. And uh, it's part of the reason why they are being successful and uh, why they're confident and why perhaps fear isn't something that they're uh, suffering from as much as you'd imagine. Okay, Johnny, it's been fascinating talking to you and we're very grateful to you for joining us from Kiev. Uh, the first thing I should say is to take care of yourself and uh, we're very grateful to you. We hope to talk to you again. And thank you for this evening. That's uh, Johnny O'Reilly, an Irish filmmaker and journalist who's in Kiev uh, and has been there for quite some time. Uh, we're grateful to Johnny, grateful to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.